We are on Yevamos Yetes Amanalf 19A5 in the article Gemara. Before we begin, the plan is to get up to the Mishnah on Chaf Amanalf on 20A before Yom Kippur. Uh, that's the plan, which would mean that I would probably have to give an additional recording on Sunday morning or on Sunday. And so the plan is to give probably three more recordings, including this one. So that there'll be five recordings. Usually I give four. There'll be five recordings for your test, including a little bit of Dav Chaf, of, of page 20, to get up to the Mishnah. The Mishnah begins a new topic, still within a Yibam, it's still a Yibam topic, but it's a very new topic. The Dav Chaf, the page 20, is really a very much a fundamental page when it comes to this tractate of Yavamos. There's a lot of very interesting topics that it deals with and that it discusses and are also very essential for our understanding of uh, Yavamos. But we'll get there after Yom Kippur. We'll continue on in the Gemara now. We're on the bottom, towards the bottom of Yutesam and Aleph. We've been discussing the opinion of Reb Shimon from the Mishnah, from the Mishnah that we had already from last week. Reb Shimon said that there are certain cases where he disagrees with the first opinion and says that Ishtasach of Shalobo does not apply. The exemption of when the two brothers are alive at the same time does not apply. Until now, we've been discussing really one understanding of Rav Shimon, primarily of Oshia. Rav Oshia said that Rav Shimon applies whether or not, uh, let's say we have a case here where Ruben passes away, he's the brother that passed away, Shimon was alive during Ruben's lifetime, uh, Levi was born after Ruben passed away, and so Rav Oshia says that within Rav Papa, it doesn't make a difference whether or not Levi was born before or after Shimon does Yibam, in either case, it's there would be an obligation for Levi to do Yibam Rechalitza if Shimon, either before or after, did Yibam and then he passed away. Uh, he did So he did Yibam with Rachel, with Ruben's wife Rachel, and then he passed away. So uh, there's also a mitzvah of Yibam. Levi would have an obligation to do Yibam Rechalitza with uh, Rachel because, and the logic behind that was that uh, Shimon holds Zika Kignusa, that even before Shimon did Yibom, it's like Shimon, in our example, Shimon was already married to Rachel the moment Reuben passes away. So Levi is always born after Shimon and Rachel are viewed halachically as having this very strong bond, like like they're married. They're not actually married, but like they're married. Um, and so Levi is born after that, so therefore there's never a case uh, within those circumstances where uh, there would be an exemption because Levi always sees Rachel is always only alive when Rachel is already viewed as married to Shimon. That was all one perspective. What we're going to discuss now is really a, a different perspective. And this is the opinion of a papa. Papa Amar, uh, very much against what Voshia said, Where Papa says no. Rabbi Shimon Originally, we said that Rabbi Shimon argues on two cases of the Mishnah, on the first Mishnah, and also on the second case, which was found on the Mishnah from last week's recording. Rabbi Papa says, no, Rabbi Shimon is only arguing on the last case. On the case where uh, the Levi, the third child, was born after Shimon did Yibam, so then there's an exemption. Then there's, sorry, there's no exemption, then there's Levi would have an obligation to do Yibam Rechalitza, meaning as follows. The cases where Ruben passes away without children. Shimon then does Yibam with Ruben, Ruben's wife, with Rachel. So Shimon and Rachel are now married. Then Levi is born. 
since Levi is born after Shimon and Rachel got married, they did Yibam. So therefore, when Shimon passes away without children, so then Levi would have uh, would have an obligation to do Yibam Rachelitza because from Levi's perspective, Rachel is Shimon's wife, not Ruben's wife. Uh, but if it was the other way around, says Rav Papa, then this is where the disagreement is from the previous opinion. If you say it the other way around, uh, which was the very first case of the Mishnah, where Levi was before born before Shimon, did Yibam Rachelitza with Rachel. So then we'll say there is an exemption because Levi was born before Shimon did Yibam. So Levi now was alive at the time where Rachel is forbidden to him because he was born after Ruvain died. They never lived, they were never alive at the same time. So therefore, there's an exemption from Levi to Rachel. And even if Rachel were to do Yibam with Shimon and then Shimon were to die, there still there remains an exemption. And Rav Papa just points out that even though Rav Shimon is mentioned at the end, um, the, and he agrees with the first case, we mention the first case even if it's obvious uh, because it's really leading on to the second case. It's what we call Lozu Abzu, that it's really, it presents it in order of, of Chiddush, of novelty. And so even though the first case is, is obvious, according to everybody, according to Rav Shimon and according to the first opinion, but still we mention the first case and then we mention the second case and it's in that second case where Rav Shimon argues. In that second case where Levi is born after Shimon does Yibam. So again, the first opinion says that even if Levi is born after Shimon does Yibam with Rachel, there still is an exemption because Rachel is still viewed as connected to, to Ruvain, to the first brother who passed away. And Rav Shimon says, no, if Levi was only alive at a time where Shimon was already married to Rachel, so then there would no longer be an exemption. If Shimon were to pass away, Levi would have to do Yibam or Chalitza. That is the opinion of Rav Papa. The Gemara now wants to prove Repapa is correct from the following brisa. This brisa is a long brisa, and we're going to analyze parts of this brisa, but there are really four different cases in this brisa, four different statements within this brisa. So we'll see all of them. We're not proving it from all four statements, but we're going to see the whole brisa. We have the following brisa in support of Repapa, and it's against Rabbi Osha. So this brisa. Uh, which is from the times of the Mishnah, is really in support of Rav Papa, as we're about to see, and that's really what we're going to cover in today's recording. We're going to quote the Brisa and try to see how uh, the Brisa really supports Rav Papa. So we have the following four different types of cases. Case number one. <speaking in Hebrew> And basically, the case is you have two brothers uh, who were alive in the same time. One of the brothers dies without children, and before the other brother is able to do yibum or even mimer, can't even do mimer, which is the rabbinic form of engagement. Yibum is the completion, but the rabbinic form of, of mimer, he wasn't able to do that either. He didn't do anything. Levi is born essentially. Reuben dies, and Levi is born essentially. So the halacha is, and then Shimon still was not able to do anything, not even able to do mimer. Shimon then passes away, and he has his own wife. He has Leah. So we say Levi is exempt from Rachel. Levi, with regards to Rachel, is an Eishes Hachav Shelah Ba'olama. They were, it's, they were non-contemporary brothers. Complete exemption, no even Rachelitza to Rachel. However, uh, when it comes to Shimon's wife, Leah, we say that he could do either Chalitza or Yibam. We don't view Leah and Rachel as co-wives. They're not viewed as co-wives. Uh, because Le- uh, Shimon never did Ma'amar. He never did Ma'amar. So therefore, Shimon's wife, Leah, 
should should have an obligation to do chalitza yibum with the live the remaining live brother Levi. That's case number one. Case number two. The case here is as follows. The case in step number two is that the brother Shimon was able to do Mamar. He didn't do Yibam, but he did Mamar, this rabbinic form of an engagement to Rachel, to Ruvain's wife. Rachel. And either before or after, according to this first opinion, either before or after, Levi is born. It doesn't make a difference according to this first opinion whether or not Levi is born before he did Mimer or after he did Mimer. The point is that Shimon did Mimer and then Shimon passed away also. So Shimon has his own wife Leah and then he has his Mamar wife. This is engaged wife Rachel. So we say according to this first opinion Levi is totally exempt from doing Yibam with Rachel because he wasn't alive at the same time as Ruvain and Rachel is still viewed as Ruvain's, as Ruvain's wife. But in addition to that, with regards to Leah, who is Shimon's wife, we say you also can't do Yibam, because since they did Maimar on a rabbinic level, it's like Leah and Rachel are co-wives. If they're co-wives, then there's an exemption on one, so then there's also an exemption on the other. So if they are viewed as co-wives, there should be a total exemption. But they also might not be viewed as co-wives, because it's only Mamar, it's only a rabbinic idea. On a biblical level, they're not married, or they're not even engaged. So the halacha is, so on the safe side, because we're not sure what exactly the status is, are Leah and Rachel, are they co-wives or are they not co-wives? Uh, so we, therefore we say, do chalitza. You should do chalitza, that's what the first amendment says. Do chalitza to Leah. That's the easiest way to get out of it. Rub Shimon, in that case, Rub Shimon argues. Rub Shimon argues, as we're going to see in the Gemara later on, Rub Shimon only argues in the case where Shimon did Mamar first, he first got engaged to Rachel, and then Levi's born. If Levi is born before Shimon did Mamar, so then the same halacha would apply. There would be a total exemption. But Rabbi Shimon is arguing now in a case where um, Levi was born after Shimon did Mamar to Rachel. He already got engaged, this uh, rabbinic type of an engagement in this Yibam context to Rachel. Now Levi is born. So Rabbi Shimon says in that case, He says, well now in this case it depends. Because you already did Ma'amar, and then Levi's born. So he says, first of all, there's no problem of of the fact that Levi was never alive during Ruvain's time. Um, potentially there's no problem, because Shimon did Ma'amar. In this case, Shimon, the other brother, did Ma'amar before Levi is born. So he says, we could say as follows, he says that uh, with regards, we, we, we don't, we're not sure if Ma'amar is really a complete... Uh, engagement and it's like Rachel and Leah are co-wives or we say that no Rachel and Leah are not co-wives if Rachel and Leah are co-wives so then Levi could do Yibam really to either one Levi could do Yibam to Leah or to Rachel really because Levi was born after the Maimar that means if Levi is born after the Maimar it's like Rachel is with regard from Levi's perspective Rachel is Shimon's wife he was only alive when Shimon was already engaged to Rachel so really, if you take it from the perspective that Mimer did work to make it like Leah and Rachel are co-wives, so then you can do even to either one. However, Rabbi Shimon's not sure. And he says that maybe there it doesn't work to make them like co-wives. If it doesn't make them like co-wives, so then Rachel, you're totally exempt because um, it's, uh, it's a non-concurrent brother. They weren't alive at the same time. Ruben was not alive at the same time as Levi. So therefore, there should be a total exemption. But you would still have the opportunity to do even with with Leah. Leah was Shimon's wife. Nothing wrong with Leah. So do even with 
Leah. Since he's not sure, so therefore what comes out is that you could do even Rachelitza with Leah. Do that, and that will totally exempt Rachel, either because Rachel is already exempt, or they're like their co-wives. And then once you do even to one, it exempts the other one. It would also exempt Rachel. Uh, so he says, you could do even Rachelitza with Leah, and it will exempt Rachel, but don't do... You can't do anything with Rachel. You can't do anything with Rachel. You can't even do Chalitza with Rachel because it would not exempt Leah. Because if they're not co-wives, so then you still have to deal with stuff to do Yibam Rachelitza with Leah. So therefore, he says, you do Yibam Rachelitza with Leah and that will exempt Rachel completely practically. That is case number two. Case number three. Case number three is as follows. Case number three, everyone agrees to. It's a case where either the first case is somewhat obvious, but let's say Reuven passes away without children and has a wife. Shimon was also alive at the time. Does even with Rachel, but then he passes away without children. Levi's not born yet. Levi's born even after Shimon passes away. So Levi's born, both Shimon and Reuven passed away already at the moment Levi's born. So we say there, there's a total exemption of Yibam Rechalitza, according to everybody, because Levi was never born at a time where any of his brothers were alive. So that's a total exemption. Everyone's going to agree to that. But the cases, the other cases where we actually learn out like Rapapa, or says the, this Brisa, this is all within case number three, let's say Levi is born before Shimon does Yibam, and then Shimon does Yibam, and then Shimon dies, we still say there's a total exemption. Everyone seems to agree to this, even Rabbi Shimon. That if Levi is born before Shimon is able to do Yibam, there's a total exemption because since at the moment Levi was born, Levi, with regards to Rachel, it's like it's Reuven's wife. Reuven and Levi were never alive at the same time. Levi is exempt from Rachel. If Levi is exempt from Rachel at that time, he's also exempt from Rachel even after Shimon does Yibam and then after he dies. That exemption continues to exist. So there's a total exemption. And as we're going to see in the Gemara, this is even within Rav Shimon. Let's just get to case number four. Case number four is a dispute. The case is followed. This is where Shimon argues on the first opinion. Who's your mayor? Let's say Reuven passed away without children. Shimon was alive the whole time. Shimon then does Yibam with Rachel. Then Levi's born. And then after Levi's born, Shimon passes away without children. So the first opinion will say, no, there's a total exemption here because since Levi was never alive at the same time as Reuven and Rachel was Reuven's wife, even though she's now married to Shimon, but still she was Reuven's wife at a certain point in time. And so therefore there's a total exemption. Rav Shimon argues. Rav Shimon says, no, in this case, because at the time that Levi was born, Rachel was married to Shimon. So that's all we care about. Rachel was married to Shimon. So from... Ruvain's perspective, sorry, from Levi's perspective, Rachel is only Shimon's wife. And he was alive at the same time as Shimon. So then we would say, you could do Chalitza or Yibam. Either one is fine. You could do Chalitza uh, or Yibam. Either to Rachel or if uh, Shimon has another wife, you could do it to Leah as well. But the point of our Gemara is to say as follows. The Gemara says, This last case. Why are we mentioning this last case? This last case was grouped in a separate grouping. It wasn't together with the previous group. If this last case was really to teach us about Rav Meir, 
but not Reb Shimon. Reb Shimon might argue in other cases as well. Why was this case set aside and set alone? This last case of where Shimon does Yibam and then Levi is born. Why is it set aside? If it's for the first opinion, there's a total exemption. If it's a total exemption, include it with all the other cases where there's a total exemption. Include it in the case where Levi is born before Yibam is done by Shimon. Or put it in a case where Levi is born after Shimon even dies. Shimon did Yibam and Shimon died. Levi is born after that. There's a total exemption because Levi was never alive in Shimon's lifetime. was never alive in Reuben's lifetime. So include in the other cases where there's a total exemption. The fact that it doesn't include it in those other cases is coming to teach us that this is telling us about Reb Shimon to tell us Reb Shimon only argues in this case. So in the end of the day, Reb Shimon only argues in the case where uh, there was first Yibam done, Shimon did Yibam with Rachel, then Shimon passed, uh, then Levi's born, then Shimon passes away, and the logic behind Reb Shimon, and this is important to keep in mind as we go on in the Gemara, but the logic behind Reb Shimon is that since when Levi's born, he's born at a time where Shimon was married to Rachel, so the fact that Reuben was also married to Rachel before Levi was born doesn't matter anymore. We only look at it from the point in time where Levi's born. At the point in time where Levi's born, you could do Yibam because Shimon was alive also. So it's possible to do Yibam with any of Shimon's wives, including Rachel, who was originally married to Reuben, his brother. That is the logic behind this. Uh, we'll probably see in a couple of recordings, we're going to add on to the logic behind it. Uh, but what the Gemara is going to do for the rest of the time, we're going to stop here, but what we're going to see in the next recording is that the Gemara is going to just take a step back, discuss really side topics based on this Brisa. Again, we had four different cases in this Brisa. And so it's going to analyze some of the other cases, uh, some interesting discussions here about whether you could do Mamar uh, by coercion or not. Um, so that's an interesting topic that we'll get to in the next recording. But the point of this Gemara is just to quote Rapapa's opinion. Rapapa argues on the way we've been understanding Rav until now to say that Rav only argues in the last case where Levi's born after Shimon did Yibam, because at that time, Levi only looks at Rachel as Shimon's wife, not as Reuven's wife. And the Gemara quoted a Brisa with these four different steps to prove to us that uh, this Brisa holds like Rav Papa. Okay, so we'll, we'll conclude the recording now, and we will continue with the Gemara in the next recording.